Welcome to the Fatherhood Podcast. I'm your host, Jamar Hudson, and you're in the fatherhood. As a new member of the hood, my goal is to use this podcast as a platform to talk about my journey as a new father. Part therapeutic, part informative, part educational. My goal is to talk about everything, from adjusting to getting no sleep, to changing diapers, to just hoping I get everything right. This podcast will be a space to share with you the joys, challenges, and fears of being a first-time father. What's up, everyone? This is Jamar, and welcome to episode 12 of the Fatherhood Podcast. As always, be sure to rate and review the show while you're here, and tell your friends about it. You know, I always post post clips on IG, Twitter, and Facebook. So, so one, I hope you're following me uh, at Jamar Hudson at the Fatherhood Podcast. And two, when you see those posts, just be sure to share it on your feed so we continue to get the word out uh, about the podcast. You know, being a new dad, I've, I've experienced a lot of firsts in the past almost four months. Emery's coming up on four months old. And to take it a step further, you know, going back to when Sharice told me she was pregnant almost a year ago, there's just a laundry list of things that have been introduced uh, in my life that were never really on, on my radar. You know, I guess not being a parent before, I really had no reason to think or know about some of these things. So this past week, it was a little rough for us speaking of first, and not not really in a bad way, but it was one of those new experiences that come uh, in the fatherhood package, so to speak. Emory got a little head cold. And, you know, he didn't have a fever or anything like that. He was just really congested, and you could tell he wasn't his normal self. A few of my friends and colleagues, you know, told me this was to be expected because he started daycare um, a couple of weeks ago. I talked about that on the previous episode, you know, but still the first time you see, you know, your little man struggling and uncomfortable, it just tugs at you. So we loved on him and tried to make sure uh, he was as comfortable as possible. My mother-in-law was in town visiting so she was able to help us out and give us a little break here and there, you know, but we did our best to just make sure he was comfortable and just make sure his nose, you know, was kept as clean as possible. So I found myself in, in, in talking about keeping his nose clean. I found myself using a, a Frida for the first time to, to, to help, you know, unclog him, so to speak. And if, if you're a parent, you know, you are definitely familiar with the nose Frida. And I, I honestly was not, never heard of it before, but in using it, it was the nastiest thing ever. I mean, the first time we did it, the noise and the, the suction and just seeing it come out of his nose was just something that I was not, uh, I was ready, not ready for at all. <clears throat> but it definitely works. So, you know, you got to give, give credit where it's due. But, it, you know, in that moment, it was one of those moments where I really felt, you know, like a grown up, like, like a responsible parent. And it's kind of hard to explain, but I think if you're a parent, you have, you know, those moments every now and then, you know, I think back to the first day. Um, we took him to daycare. That, that was another one. I felt like, you know, we, we're parent parents. You know, and so, you know, as Emory continues to grow and I continue to grow and learn as a father, I looked at that moment and, and several others as the latest step in my evolution as a man. You know, I think back to 10 years ago, knowing me, you know, I know I, know I wasn't ready for this uh, even five, six years ago. But, you know, but through growth and through mistakes, through lessons learned, you know, I really feel as though that, you know, I was ready to become a father when I did. And every father goes through that in some respect, I believe. You know, talking to my boys, you know, they, they, they share the same sentiments. You know, we evolve as men and grow and mature and change for hopefully the better as we age. And that looks different for everyone, that matriculation process. You know, it takes longer for some of us. 
And for others, you're fo- forced to mature earlier. And in some cases, you just have to learn as you go. So today I'm going to talk more about evolving as a father. And I'm going to talk more about that with my next guest. So I'm going to take a quick break and be right back from man Keith Reed. I'm Jamar Hudson, and this is The Fatherhood. Keith Reed is here. He, he is a proud native of Pittsburgh. He is a former deputy press secretary for the city of Atlanta. He's an accomplished journalist, having worked as a senior editor at ESPN The Magazine and for the Boston Globe, and he's served on the board of the National Association of Black Journalists. You've also seen him commentate on social and political and sports issues on CNN, and most importantly, he is a proud father to two young men. So Keith, welcome to The Fatherhood. Hey man, I, I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you. No problem, man. We're talking, before we get into today's subject about evolving as a father, you know, I like to ask all of my guests just some general questions about, about fatherhood. So first of all, Keith, tell me about your, your boys. So my sons are uh, Malik and Elijah. Malik is uh, 22 and Elijah is 19. And, um, and I guess that's kind of like where to start, right, with this conversation on evolving because I'm, I'm mm-hmm. 42, I just turned 42 in January, which means if you do the math, my oldest son was born uh, when I was just shy of my 20th birthday. So, you know, I I had children when I was very young, Um, when I was, you know, way younger than I would advise any any person, any man or woman to to have, you know, children. Um, Maturity, I wasn't prepared uh, you know, financially, obviously I wasn't prepared, um, stuck it out and, you know, went through my growing pains or whatever, but, but, you know, I, I feel like through all of it, there, there's been a lot of growth and, um, you know, I have two very wonderful young men. My, my oldest, um, is, uh, works as a, well, honestly, I can't tell you exactly. This is funny. I can't tell you exactly what the kid does. He tried, we, we had dinner over the weekend. We hung out and he's trying to explain to me what he does. Um, and he kind of started down this path where he wanted to go into engineering and then he left that, but then he, because he found this sort of specialized kind of welding and manufacturing, you know, job, they talk about these high tech yeah. jobs of the future. Right. Um, and so he's in some sort of, you know, a field like that where he works in like, you know, oil fields and on different kinds of energy production. And he was trying to tell me what he does. And I was like, I, mm-hmm. I don't understand, but apparently they pay him a lot of money yeah, at 22 years good. old to do this. That's good. So, I was like, all right, um, good job, son. And, you know, he's got his own place and his own car. And, you know, at 22, he, he you know, he's chilling. Uh, and my, my youngest is a, is a student. Um, and he's, uh, he's actually has a, has a sincere interest uh, and being an entrepreneur in the legalized marijuana business. Um, so, you know, I, I, I have two, you know, pretty mature, um, well-adjusted young, young men. And, um, I'm, I'm very happy about that. That's That's great. That's great, man. So, so what does being a father, Keith, mean to you personally? Oh man, <laughs> that's everything really. I mean, there's, you know, you, you could kind of look back at it and say, well, I, I said earlier that I had kids way younger than I thought 
then I think anybody should have them. And, and that mm. kind of sounds like a regret, but it's not really, um, it's not the way that I would advise anyone to do it. I don't want my sons who are the exact ages that I was when they were born, um, 19 and 22. Um, I wouldn't advise them to do it. Um, but being a father has everything to do, everything to do with, with the man that I've, that I've become today. And that whole, that whole list of stuff that you read, that all, all of that, that bio that you read at the beginning about, yeah. you know, where I've been and where I've worked and where I've written and all the networks and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like I was a dad and becoming a man at the same time that I was doing all that. Mm. So, you know, serving on, on a national board of directors, um, you know, being a, a, a TV commentator, uh, working at, you know, the, the biggest sports network in the world, editing, you know, at one of the largest sports, at, actually the largest sports magazine in, in the country, um, you know, working as a, as you know, in the executive offices for one of the, the biggest cities in, in the country. Um, I was doing all of that as I was growing into myself as a man and as a father. And all of those things, there's a symbiotic relationship there, but just sort of underlying every single thing that I had to do was the idea that once I became a dad, which happened for me at 19, that like a lot of stuff had to change and a lot of BS had to end and you had to be focused on no matter what you did, it had to ultimately be good for Malik and Elijah. Right. And right. I just, I just always carried that with me and tried to make the best decisions. Now in this conversation, um, you'll hear me talk about a lot of different ways that I messed it up and not messed it up in, in terms of just like ruining things, but like, you, you know, you make mistakes. And I think as men, we don't always give ourselves the room. And I don't think that we always get the room to make mistakes. I think, you know, we, there's this kind of culture that, that says, you know, be a man, meaning, you know, you always got to get it right. You always got to like, you can't afford to, to not get it right. You've got to be a man. You got to, nah, you going to mess up. You, you become a man through the process of messing it up. Yeah. You become better at this manhood thing by admitting the fact that you're not perfect and you're gonna and you're gonna make mistakes and that at times you need empathy just like moms need empathy and just like human beings in general need empathy like it's not easy um to do this and there's a ton that's riding on your shoulders that i don't think that we always get the chance to address um so i'm glad that, that there's this platform in this in this vehicle to talk about that but but the short answer to your question is like what does a father mean to me like I, I i i could not tell you i could not begin to to articulate my own identity without talking about being a dad it's just impossible to do great great so let's start at the beginning keith you know as you stated you you became a father at an early age at 19 20 years old so so tell us about that experience and how it altered your your life's course at that time so you know i was a, i was a college student um when my my oldest was born i was like the first fresh, first semester of my sophomore year and um I had, you know, worked 
very hard to kind of get away from the environment that I grew up in with a lot of, you know, pick a cliche, right? Like I was this kid, I grew up in the, you know, I grew up in in the projects. I I came up without my father, you know, the family didn't have a lot of money and, you know, and I messed around and, you know, with, with, you know, nonsense out in the street and this, that, and the third and that, like you, like pick, pick a cliche from that, you know, nineties era. (laughs) And, And that was it. Right. But I, but I had gone on and, you know, made my way to, you know, to college and was kind of figuring it out. And the young, the young lady I was dating at the time, um, who I'd known since high school, um, became pregnant. Okay. So, um, that, like I said, that just kind of, that just, that just changes everything because you go from being this, you know, kid at 19 to, now you have to figure out like what are you going to do like you have the responsibility and for me i think i think for me um the heaviest thing on my mind you know was the realization like it it immediately clicked for me that there was a cycle that i wanted to break and i don't know that everybody has that recognition or has that maturity that self-awareness or whatever um and i don't say that to give myself a lot of credit but it just is what it is it was just like i was aware that something was missing or something was wrong or something was not okay by, uh, uh, about the fact that like my father wasn't present. Um, and I didn't like that. I didn't know how to articulate at the time cause I was only 19, but I was just, but I just knew it. And so when I found out that, you know, I was gonna have a child, um, and eventually, you know, two, cause the second one came, you know, a couple years later, um, for me, my decision was made literally right there in the moment. Like, I'm just not, I'm, I'm not going to not be there for these children in the way that my father was not there for me. Um, so I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what the, I didn't know what the next 20 years was going to, was going to be. And all of the ups and downs and the stuff that you were going to have to manage, I could imagine that, you know, in a very kind of juvenile way that it was going to be hard. But I just decided that, like, you know, it's it's not going to be the same for my sons as it will be for as it was for me. But but you're, you're 19, Keith. I, I mm-hmm. imagine, you know, everything you just said, you know, is is definitely relevant um, to your approach to fatherhood, but you're, you're 19 at this, at this time. I imagine there, there's a shock factor and a, what am I going to do factor that, that went into play when you first found out you were going to be a dad, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it, but, it, but you know, today, um, so, so, so keeping, keeping it all the way, you know, a hundred, it's like, I remember, you know, when she first told me their mother that, that, you know, that she was pregnant and I said, mm-hmm. and, and my initial response to that was, I think maybe the first, I was probably quiet, you know, um, and, you know, just kind of thinking it through. And then I said, well, you know, we started, had this conversation like, well, you know, are we going to tell our parents? Like, what do you, you know, are you going to tell? And so I said, well, what do you, what do you plan to do? Meaning, you know, are you going, are you going to keep it? And, and it wasn't uh, like, I'm encouraging you. I think you should, you know, 
have an abortion. It was just like, well, you have this, you know, that is your, it's your option. And I don't know how you feel about this idea of you having a kid. Right. So, you know, and and obviously that didn't go over well because that's probably not what any woman wants to hear. (laughs) She says that, you know, um, to the guy she's dating and I'm pregnant and you go, well, I, so, you know, probably in the first five minutes, um, you know, of, of the fatherhood journey, it was a foot, foot in mouth moment. But again, like you're 19, you, you don't know what to do. Um, so you're kind of shocked and, you know, and then all of these things go through your head. I mean, I thought of like, you know, what is my mother going to say? Um, you know, and I eventually had to have the conversation with her and the way the conversation that ended up happening with my mother was that she, my mother found out initially from, um, their other grandmother from from their mom's mother um because she went had the conversation with her mother immediately yeah and what i said was well i'm gonna allow you to you know the time to make the decision about you know to think through what it is that you want to do um you know and we need to have this conversation about like what's going to happen now and I don't want to, like, I'm not involving other people, you know, parents or anything until we have a conversation about what's going to happen now. That was, again, probably fairly immature, but this was also my way of, like, I was 19. So in my yeah. mind, like, oh, I'm not, I'm 19. I don't have to talk to nobody about anything, right? Like, very headstrong and not smart enough to know that, like, you probably need the adults in the room to have this conversation. Um, but that's also probably one of the ways in which, like, not having your dad because i think that that it, you know if i had had you know my father or a father or a male figure or whatever present that like, it might have been an easier conversation to have but i didn't um i would want my sons today if they were in that situation to i would want to be the first person that they called because right. like that's a it's a it's you know fatherhood you know that kind of you know it's a it's a very um it's a man to man conversation. You know what I mean? Um, and I didn't have that. So for me, it was like, well, you know, my way of kind of manning up to it was like, well, we, we going to figure this out, you know, me and you before we yeah. involved the parents. And she immediately went to, you know, her mom and, and, and talked about this and I didn't do that. So I got a call, you know, I don't know, maybe a week or so later or whatever. And then my mom said, well, you know, I heard, you know, that, you know, she's pregnant, you know, what's going on? And I was like, well, yeah, and yeah, that's true. My mother said, well, why didn't you tell me? And I said, because she and I, and I just told her the truth. Like, you know, she told me and, you know, I knew and she and I had not, you know, worked out what we were going to, you know, what we were going to do. And so I wasn't going to have a conversation with anybody until we made a decision together because we made this situation together and my mother said okay you know she understood that it was again it was pig-headed and immature but she understood the the kind of logic that it you know that it took um so but but yeah i mean it was it was it was a shock and it was um in hindsight showed the level of just the lack of preparation for it Whereas, you know, if it were to happen today, well, first of all, it wouldn't happen today. Um, let's, yeah. let's, let's, start, let's start with that. Um, 
if it were, it, it, it wouldn't. But you know, but it would, but it would be. No, you you don't you don't know what you don't know, and and I want and, and I want to kind of come back to that idea of you don't know what you don't know, and like the the you know the idea of like how this whole conversation about you know relationships and things like that comes full circle and how it relates to you know your growth as a man and your growth as a father. And I had this moment over over this past weekend that was very um, it was very just poignant, you know, to, to that end. But that was like one of the first mo- first kind of adult moments where I thought I was getting it right, but I was getting it wrong. Um, was in the, was in the moment of, of actually being told like, this is what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to Keith Reed today on the fatherhood. And so Keith, all this is happening. You're in college, you're, you're, you're 19, you're trying to figure out, you know, what you want to do with life. Um, so you have to grow up fast. I mean, this is this is a, a life changing thing that's happening to you, and you know, friends I know who've had kids uh, in their late teens and early twenties have, have often spoke to the fact where they have to grow up um, with their kids, and you know, they're, they're growing mm-hmm. up with them essentially. What was that the case for you? On some level, I mean, so the the idea of growing up fast, I kind of look at it different, right? So there's a there's a for me there was a there was an instinct and there was a there was a thing that kicked in it was like okay you got it you got a man up and so you do the best that you can to grow up fast and you do the the best that you can to quote unquote man up but the reality is you really can't grow up any faster than you're supposed to grow up you can just set your sights on you can set your sights on how mature you want to be and you can set your sights on the idea that you know, I want to be a better father. I want to be a present father. You know, whatever. But the but the reality is, is like you can't. Um, you still got to go through your mistakes. You still got to take your lumps. You still got to do the things wrong that are going to be done wrong. Um, and a lot of the a lot of your blind spots, you don't you don't even really know what they are. So. It, you know, 20, 20 years worth of growth was still 20 years worth of growth as a father. Yeah. Right. And, but, but the perspective that I had to have did immediately change. Whereas I don't think that it, that, you know, if, if kids were, were, were on the table, you know, at 19 or 20 or 21 or 22, or, you know, that, you know, you'd still be, you'd still be thinking about the stuff that, People think about when they're 20, you know, my kids, my oldest, you know, he thinks about his car and what he does for work and, you know, what's he going to eat and hang out, hang out with his friends on the weekend, you know, and, and just like, you know, he does, he does his thing and, you know, he's happiest when, you know, the last, you know, he had a long weekend this weekend. He had to, he yes. had three days off. That's what he thinks about it at 21. Like, I got a long weekend. I get to I get to party a little bit. I get to hang out with my dad. I get to, you know, work on my car and, you know, and, and you know, tune it and drive it, you know, whatever. That's that's what he thinks about at 22. That's exactly what he should be thinking about at 22. Yeah. Um, my 22 was like, I I gotta make sure that there's a I gotta make sure that there's a 401k. <laughs> Mm. I gotta, I gotta make sure that there's a, you know, that 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 there's a a a, a um, 
527 plan for college education. And yeah. I got to make sure that, you know what I'm saying? Like, so how did you learn all that? I mean, do you mean at, at, at 21, 22, how do, a lot of us don't know about that stuff. I know there are a lot of things that I didn't know at 21, 22. I definitely wasn't prepared for fatherhood. So you're learning all this stuff on the fly. You know, where did you figure out how to make all this work? I just, I just listened to, I've always been like a big, um, reader and consumer of information. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just, I've, I've always been like that curiosity that I guess made, made me into a decent journalist. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've always had that. Um, even when I was, you know, before I went to college, when I was home and I, you know, used to be out, you know, on, you know, on a block on the street, whatever with, with my, with my boys, like I, I read the autobiography of Malcolm X, you know, sitting on a stoop in my neighborhood, just outside, <laughs> Like that was yeah. that that was me, right? So I used to like just consume all these magazines and all this information because I wanted to be smarter. I don't know, it's just just sort of a natural curiosity that I had about life. And so I carried that over. So I would pick up magazines, I would read like you know, my first job as a journalist out of college was um working for a business newspaper in Baltimore. I worked at the the Baltimore Business Journal. I was like a yeah. you know, junior reporter. And so I was always spending time around people in the business world and just kind of learning what they knew. And it was like getting a free MBA. Right. So I learned all this stuff from people who worked in financial services companies and advertising agencies and marketing firms and like, you know, brokerage company, you know, just whatever. And I would read, you know, Black Enterprise. I would read Fortune. I would read just just I I, I would just pick up and like read anything because I just had this curiosity about the world. And some of it was, um, you know, a lot of it just go just goes back to who my mother was. My mother was a very curious person. My mother was always insistent that I read. My mother was, you know, my mother was the person who taught me how to write. Um, you know, my mother was, you know, insistent that I pay attention to like the news and current events. So, like, I had that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and it just carried over, and so when I became a dad, then it was, then it was like, I, right, now you need to use that curiosity to the betterment of your, of your kids. And so, okay. I, I had heard about, you know, learning how to manage your finances and read about this stuff in black enterprise and personal finance was a very big thing in the you know, late nineties, early two thousands, that era when I, you know, I graduated from college in 2000 and it was a very, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, um, very popular topic in, in, in mass media at that point. So I just kind of followed it and, you know, all of these things, like just having access to, to, to a lot of information. And that was the the era when the internet was just like in its infancy, mm-hmm. but not yep. so much in its infancy. Like there was access to a lot of information, not there, not like there's access today, but you had probably at that point in time, at that moment, um, as a new, you know, professional, a new college graduate, there was more, there was more access to information at that time than there had ever been before. Um, so it, it, it just kind of went hand in hand. So, all of the things that I was curious about and this idea of wanting to break this generational cycle that I, that was just like really, really strong for me and wanting to do better. Um, 
went along with the idea of, you know, having access to all this information and what I could do with it. You know, as you're growing into a man and maturing uh, as a father, speaking to your professional life, um, you're also working on, on advancing in your career. So how did being a father fit in that picture? It was hard. It was really hard for a long time because you got to understand, like, so they lived with me. They, My sons lived with me as, you know, through their adolescent teenage years. Um, but not when they were younger children. And so, and right. so I had like these decisions that I, that I had to make. And I still don't know that I, that I did the right thing. I did what I thought was the right thing. And that's the thing as a parent too. Like you never really know. That's why I said earlier, it's important to give yourself the room to make them, to, to make the mistakes and understand that you're not always getting it right. It's impossible to always get it right. But for me, like, it was very important. So I, I grew up in, in, in Pittsburgh and, you know, it wasn't a place where I, even though I moved back, I live here now, but it's a very different place today than it was 25 years ago when I left it. Um, and I just saw a very limited sort of, um, a very limited set of opportunities for myself, specifically as a black man growing up here. Because we, this is a city that that hasn't traditionally had a lot of black wealth, a lot of black entrepreneurship, a strong black middle or professional class. Like it's not the same as being in, you know, Brooklyn, or you know, Harlem, or uh, you know, Washington D.C. or you know, Atlanta. It's just a very different sort of place. So I didn't see a lot of a lot of possibility. And since I didn't see that possibility for me, I didn't see a lot of possibility there for my kids. So I went away for school went to HBCU, Coppin State University in Baltimore. And then once I got away, um, my, you know, career started elsewhere. Well, you know, their mother made a decision. She also lived in Maryland at the time and was from Pittsburgh, but she also, she made the decision that she wanted to be closer to family. And the boys went with her. So for the first, you know, 10 years, 12 years, whatever, um, I was away from them most of the time. And that caused a lot of conflict. It caused a lot of internal conflict for me because every time I made a decision about um, where to move, um, how far away could I live? Like it, it limits you. Cause I was only ever, I was only willing to live on the East coast at that point. So I had, I had job opportunities. I had something that, you know, popped up very early in my career. There was a, pro, a program called MetPro. Um, which is a, a newspaper uh, training program for like young reporters. And it could, you know, at the time it was very popular and it could do a lot to launch your career. And one of the things you had to agree to was that you had, you would be moved between newspapers. I think it was in, you know, Chicago, uh, Orlando, Los Angeles, whatever. Well, I decided, you know, my boys were in Pittsburgh. I was only going to live on the East coast. I had to be, you know, like a driving distance from them. So that was out. I couldn't do it. Um, at one point, I got you know interviewed for a job out in Denver. Um, it would have been my first editing job, but it was like I can't do Denver. You know what I mean? Um, at one point, there was an opportunity in like Seattle. You know, so like those kinds of decisions. And even though you turn even at, even at that point when you're turning down um, opportunities and saying no to things, you're still in a place where 
it's not ideal because even though I turned down the opportunity to be on the West Coast, I'm still not physically present right there where they are, right? So, um, and then there was, you know, so that was like a big internal conflict for me always. Like, am I doing the right thing? Am I, should I just, you know, move home and be there? Um, And then there's the external conflict that I had to do with, and this is real. This is not to talk bad about anybody or anything like that, but, you know, she and I have very different ideas about parenting, very different perspectives and priorities. And so that conflict was always there because, you know, as a man, you're like, if you care about your kids, you're like, yo, I want, you know, things to be a certain way. And then you, you, you're getting pushback and then you're not, you know, so, so there's an inherent conflict that is exacerbated by the distance that you are from from your children, so that was that that was hard. Um, and and all at the same time, you're trying to manage and learn to to be a professional. So you you've had a Keith, you've had a successful career in journalism. I mean, it's, it's well well documented. Um, and you've raised two boys into some outstanding young men. So looking back, I'm curious, what advice would you give 19, 20 year old Keith? Um, now that you are, you know, 42 and have gone through, you know, the experience of raising two boys and have had a successful career. Oh, wow, man. Um, <laughs> about fatherhood. Yeah. So I'm, so I'm thinking about this conversation that I had with my son over the weekend. Cause, cause talking to him at the mo in that moment was like talking to 19, 20 year old me. And the thing that I told him now, it was completely different context. We weren't talking about fatherhood. We were actually talking about relationships and marriage, which was that it like just blows my mind that I was having that conversation with my with my 22 year old. But I can I can give you the more context on that later. But like but the thing that I told him that I think rings true um, that I think I needed to hear when I was his age was you need to you need to listen more than you speak. Um I was a little, probably a lot full of myself when I was, you know, 22, 18, 19, 22 years old. Um, I had a big chip on my shoulder. And I understand why I, why I had that chip, too. I mean, I was also, like, I was a kid who had, you know, survived a lot, seen a lot, been through a lot, you know, whatever. Even even before they were, you know, you know before I, I had them, just like... You know, like I said, come came up in a in a pretty, you know, rough sort of you know environment situation. So that like I had just just knew a lot um, about kind of the way how harsh life could be already, and um, because of that, you know, it put a little chip on my shoulder. It put a little, you know, it gave me a little bit of edge. It gave me a little bit of you know extra motivation, and it also gave me a little bit of a little bit of arrogance um, that like, you know, nothing can, can, nothing can kind of, nothing can beat me. Nothing can defeat me. Cause look at what I've been through already. Um, and the reality is that it's sure that like, there are plenty of things that, that can, that can harm you, that can hurt you, that can knock you down. They might not kill you, but the barometer really shouldn't be, did you die? <laughs> like, 
You know what I'm saying? Like, but that was my attitude. At, you know, at like 20, it was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, if I ain't die from it, then you know. But it was, but that was kind of fatalistic because the reality is, the sad reality is, at 20, I had I knew a lot of people who were dead already, right? So I had to like, I mean, well, you know, you can't. It was, what are you? What are you going to tell me? Like, I mean, it, it, if it's if it wasn't life or death, then I looked at it as very um, minuscule. And I think that attitude allowed me to to be more, um, just to, to be a little bit more pigheaded and stubborn about some things and not take in as much information that I could have taken in. So, you know, what I would tell what I would tell myself then is the thing that I told my son in this conversation on Sunday night, which was, you know you need to, you really need to listen more than you speak. Your humility is more valuable than the things that you think, you know, you, you know, a lot less today than you think, you know, um, you know, your confidence in what, you know, and I'm not telling you that you're not a smart kid because you are, but your confidence in what you think, you know, is way higher than it should be because you just, you, you just don't have the experience to know all all that you're convinced of, um, and, I, and I wish somebody would have would have said that to me in in those terms at that age. It might have saved me some headaches later. Um, but again, you also go through what you need to go through. Um, so maybe nobody told me those things at that age because I I needed my personality is such that I needed to bump my head on some things to be who I am right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're still Keith, a young man with, with grown sons now, um, as opposed to being a, a young dad um, at, at 19 to 20. So I'm curious, what does being a young, still a young man as, as a father with grown sons look like uh, now that they're older? Well, you know, it, it looks different than I used to think it would, right? Because I, I, for a long time, I had this idea that like, I'm gonna, by the time I knew that by the time I was forty, so my youngest having been born, ten, been been born, my youngest was born was born when I was twenty two, so I knew that by the time I was forty, both of them would be grown, quote unquote grown, at least had have reached the age of emancipation. And I had this thing where it was like, I'm going to get these boys to 18 and they're going to go out in the world and I'll be able to, you know, decamp and like move to Trinidad and get a, <laughs> like, that was the plan. Like, seriously, I was like, I'm going to buy a place in Trinidad and I'm out when I'm like 40. Um, You know, life has a way of showing you again that, you know, you, you the, the stuff you say, man. It's like, that's not going to happen at all. So what it really means is that I'm at a different stage and they're at different stages. And so, and so there's this shift that takes place. Um, we're now like, it's as important for me to be there for them as it ever was, but just in a different way. Cause they still need you. Um, they still need you. You know, my, my oldest was going through some stuff earlier in this year. And then they were going through some stuff in their relationship as brothers, um, you know, that that was trying and they needed me to be to step in and say, you know, I like this is this is how you how you need to handle that. 
my oldest, you know, was, you know, depressed and going through some stuff, you know, on his job and about his education and like, what is he supposed to do? And he was very distraught over it. And if I hadn't had so many of the mistakes and if I hadn't gone through so many of the, the trying times that I had gone through, I would not have been able to have the conversation with him that I had. And I was just saying to somebody today in a, in a, in a totally different context that like there are things that you'll go through. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a person of, of faith and my, my faith is like, so I hate to get preachy, but I'm going to say it anyway. So like my faith has, has gotten a lot stronger the more things that I've gone through, especially in some recent, in, in the recent years since my mom passed away. And one of the things that I've learned is that so some stuff you go through, um, you know, we kind of colloquially people will say like, oh, you know, that's the devil trying me. That's the devil. Sometimes sometimes the stuff that you're going through is not like the devil, the enemy, evil, whatever name you want to give to it, trying you. Sometimes it's actually God using the, the trials in your life to help prepare you to help somebody else get through the next thing so that you can give a greater glory and a greater understanding of the creator to another person. And that's a, and that's a deep thing. And I've seen this happen over and over again now that I'm aware of it, right? And mature enough to see it. So I had gone through all these hardships, like, you know, losing this. When I got laid off from ESPN, I was so distraught. It happened like just a few months it was like the greatest job that I that that I thought I was ever gonna have, and I had worked so hard, you know, right. to get to this to this lofty position, this lofty place, and it was like ripped from me. And it happened right after my mother passed away. With like within six months of losing my mom, I lost my dream job, and I was just like, I you can't imagine how depressing that was, you know. And um, but then. Fast forward um, to, you know, a few months ago, and here I am with my own son who was depressed because he had gone through a job loss and he didn't know what he was going to do. And to me, you know, for me, because I had gone through it before, I had the tools to be able to say to him, hey, listen, that's not the only you may have liked that job and it might have been, you know, whatever. But but this is the you're, that's not the only thing, the only job that there's going to be. And you can't let that be the end of your story. You have to keep on coming and keep on, you know, and keep and keep on moving. And you got to learn how to, you know, deal with the, the anxiety and depression or whatever it is that you're, that you're dealing with. But you have to rest assured that that it's going to be OK. And that was one example for me in my life of God saying, like, I put you through some of the stuff that you went through so that you could teach your children how to rely on something greater than themselves when they go through it. Because you didn't have anybody to, to show you that. And now, I, now I'm able to do it to do it for them. So um, so that's what it looks like for me now that like I'm still, you know, very much in, in you know, in the prime of my life. A lot. I still have a lot of energy. I still am very active. I still move around. You know, I'm still like I'm. I'm still you know getting it. You know what I mean? And I'm able to to now have this adult relationship with them where I can advise them and talk to them um, in ways that I didn't know how to before. So it's just it, there's a shift that takes place, and it and it's been a beautiful shift, man. I I, I really enjoy it. 
Well, I think you're doing a great job, man. And that's a testament to just the type of father you are, my man. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. No doubt. Yeah, man. Well, Keith, thanks a lot for joining me. This is a this has been a great discussion, man. Like I said, we could have gone on for another 30, 45 minutes. Um, but before I let you go, I know you pop up on TV every once in a while. Tell people, you know, how they can get in touch with you and if you have any upcoming appearances. So uh, upcoming appearances, no, nothing on the books at the at the moment. It kind of, you know, just happens in a news cycle. You know how that goes. Like, you know, the one day in the middle of the afternoon, I'll get a call from a producer and say, like, I need you to be on air in, you know, 45 minutes. So, uh, but if you want to know where I'm appearing, where I'm writing, what I'm what I'm working on, you can follow any of my social media channels um, on Facebook. It's just Keith Reed. Um, so if you look, if you look up Keith Reed, you'll find me, um, on, uh, on any other social media on, you know, Twitter and on, um, Instagram is it's at K underscore D O T underscore R E. So at K dot R E, um, with the underscores in, in between is how you find me. Um, and we can continue this discussion. You can, you know, you can tweet at me if you listen to this and have, you know, thoughts or, you know, if you want to tell me you saw me on CNN and you hate my guts because you disagree with something I said, that's cool. <laughs> um, just to keep the discussion going. I, I appreciate it. My man, thanks a lot for joining me. I no doubt. Before I go, as always, I want to thank you all for taking time to listen to today's episode. Special shout out to Keith Reed for coming on and sharing his story and being open with us. You know, I'm thankful for growth. I'm thankful for the ability to live and learn. I'm thankful for the opportunity to to continue to evolve uh, and mature as both uh, a man and a father. So I'll be back next week and I'll catch you all next time. I'm Jamar Hudson and this is The Fatherhood.